Many years ago, I was working for a technology company, and um, I worked in the product side of the business, but the nature of my work was I worked a lot with um, a manager who was in the service side of the business. And um, one day he came by my cubicle, and he asked me if I could go to lunch with him. And I said, sure. And, you know, I'm kind of wondering what, what have we done now? You know, what, what boom are you about to lower on us? And we had lunch. And during the lunch, he asked me a lot of questions about my career. And I'm not the swiftest uh, person in the world, but eventually I came to realize that he was trying to recruit me. And ultimately he asked me where I saw my career in five years. We have been talking about practical things like careers uh, during this series. Um, we've talked about purpose and hope, and today I want to talk about significance and impact, because that was kind of the question that um, this other manager, Alex, was, uh, was getting at. He asked me if I had any idea how I could have impact in my career, and um, that's what I'd like to talk about. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been we've been in this series of Advent messages, and um, uh, normally during Advent, we don't read the Christmas stories. We read stories from from prophets and so forth, because the purpose of Advent is to prepare us uh, for uh, the coming of Christ. But what we've been doing this this time is we've been looking at these Christmas stories uh, through a perspective of of how can they be practical to us, not just. Wasn't Mary great? Wasn't Joseph great? Aren't these great characters back 2,000 years ago? But rather, what can we learn from them that will help us in our lives and particularly help us prepare for the coming of Christ? So that's been the perspective we've taken. And we began by looking at the idea of hope. And what we saw is that hope is a good thing. It's a good thing to envision a better future. And that's true whether you're a Jesus follower, whether you're spiritual, whether you're religious, uh, whether you don't know what you believe. It's just a good thing to have a picture of a better future. That that's what science is telling us, that it's actually a good thing to have a hope, a hope that is out there someplace. But what we've seen is that that's even better for Christians because for Christians, hope is anchored in, in God. And so to the extent we can see something great that God is doing, that opens up space and that space is filled by faith. So faith is the thing that connects us with our hope. And so if we have a big faith, if we have a big space between where we are and what we're hoping from God, then God has more room to maneuver. Jesus told his disciples they were little faiths, and we don't want to be little faith people. So hope is good, and the bigger the better, whether you're a Jesus follower or not. So hope is good. And then last week we looked at purpose, and the idea of purpose is what do you do with that hope? And if you have a purpose, then you connect yourself to it. You claim your role in attaining whatever it is you hope for. And maybe you've got a big role, maybe you've got a small role, but a purpose is when you claim your role in the attainment of what it is you hope for. So that's kind of where we left things last week. And again, we saw that Christians um, uh, have have an edge in this area, I would say. It's a good thing regardless. Uh, again, science is very clear. It's a good thing to have a purpose in life. And we talked about that last week. But if you're a Christian, then you, ha- you have an, an extra, an extra um, uh, aspect to that, which is that God is helping you. 
So that helps you um, have, a, have a better purpose. But today what I want to do is I want to talk about impact. I want to talk about significance. The question that Alex asked me at lunch uh, all those years ago, how can we have impact in our lives? What can we do that will guarantee that we have significance? And this is a place where um, religious people and, and uh, people who are not religious, people who are Jesus followers and people who are not, actually diverge because, excuse me, because if you're if you're not a church person, if you're not a religious person, then it doesn't mean you can't be significant. You can't have a life of significance. The world is filled with people who have significant lives um, and have no relation to God. But it's harder because there are so many factors that are outside of your control. And ultimately what that means is you have to be lucky. You either have to be lucky in terms of everybody else in the market was going left and I just decided to go right. Um, and, and that turned out that was the right direction to go. And so maybe it's that kind of luck, or maybe it's luck. You had the right grandparents, and you had the right formative experiences as a child. You went to the right school and had the right roommate. Okay, whatever it is, you have to have luck in order to have significance. And that's what they'll tell you. They'll tell you um, people who have significance will tell you that they were lucky. And usually um, it takes a toll. Sometimes it takes a toll on their health. Sometimes it takes a toll on their relationships. But you can often spot uh, people who have significant lives because of the wreckage uh, in their own life or in the lives of people around them. So it's hard to live a life of significance if you're not a Jesus follower. Now, it's not easy if you are. But there's a couple of things that you get as part of the package. When you're a Jesus follower, you get, uh, and you're seeking to have significance in your life, there's two things. It's still going to be hard, but you won't have to be anxious, and you will get help along the way. So those are the two things you can have if you're seeking significance from a perspective of faith. And what I want to do to illustrate this is um, I want to show you there's actually a very simple thing you can do to have significance. Uh, it's a guaranteed thing. Uh, the scriptures make it crystal clear. This is how your life can have significance. But uh, instead of just telling you, I want to set it up because there's a great example. Why tell you when I can show you, right? So I want to tell you from the story of um, Joseph. And, and Joseph is a great example of this because uh, you know how significant he is. But you probably don't know why. You know, 2,000 years later, we're talking about Joseph, but why? What did Joseph do, really? I mean, what, what did Joseph do? He appears five or six times in the whole New Testament, and he never says a word. And there's an indication, at least in Mark 6 and Matthew 13, um, some members of Jesus' family come to him when he's, when he's ministering to people, and we don't hear about Joseph. So there's an indication, a lot of traditions hold the idea that Joseph died uh, before Jesus was an adult. So uh, whatever he did, he did it pretty quickly because he vanishes from the pages of Scripture very soon. So what did Joseph do? Right? What was it that made Joseph so significant? And yet it's undeniable he was significant. Um, how many people are just named after him 2,000 years later? How many people are named Joseph? My dad's a Joe. Joseph was significant. But let's look at his story and see if we can figure out what made him so significant. So we're looking at chapter 1 of Matthew's Gospel. And it begins, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Or actually what it says is, this is the genesis. This is the beginning of Jesus the Messiah. 
So he says, um, this is how it happened. And uh, who is Jesus the Messiah? Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. It means Jesus the King, the King that, that God had promised. Uh, God had said that there would be a King like David who would rule Israel and all the bad things would be solved. Uh, the Romans and the Greeks and the Persians and the Babylonians, everybody who had oppressed Israel for all that time would be, would be shoved aside by this new King and things would be better because of him. So that's the Messiah. Everybody's looking forward to the Messiah, but it's been a long time and he still hasn't shown up. But now we're hearing where he comes from. What is his genesis? It says, his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. In that culture, the way engagement worked is you you formalized the union. Um, you, you filed the papers. You did all the stuff you had to do. Uh, you know, exchange of dowry. All that stuff happened. And then... You lived apart for the next period of time, typically as long as a year. Um, and during that time, the groom would do things uh, to, to prepare for it, among other things. And we still see this. If you travel in uh, many parts of the world, what you'll see is that um, there are family compounds. And when you build a house, you leave rebar sticking out of the wall because you know someday the sun is going to grow up and he's going to add on a room to that house, and then he will bring his wife home, and that's how the family compound grows. So there's things like that that the groom was expected to do during that period of time. But he is formally married. And unfortunately, there's a there's a twist because she is pregnant. While she is still a virgin, she became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph doesn't know that, but they weren't ignorant back in the the Bible times. Joseph knows that when a woman gets pregnant, it's because somebody had sexual relationships with her, uh, a sexual relationship with her, and so he decides not to marry her. But he doesn't want to disgrace her. It says um, that he was a, a good man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. And, you know, if you take nothing else from the lesson, that's a good idea. You know, you can be a Christian, you can be righteous, and not have to disgrace people who aren't. You know, if there are people you know who are doing bad things, you can just let them do bad things and not have to, you know, make sure that everybody knows how bad they are. So um, be more like Joseph in that area. It would be a good idea. You could be righteous and let people make their mistakes privately. But he's decided he's going to divorce her. He's going to break this engagement, this formal relationship he's in. And while he's considering this, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. And the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, I know you're not stupid, but you need to know there's an extra thing that's that's at work here. Uh, Mary is not pregnant because she had sex with another man. She's pregnant because of God's a Holy Spirit uh, putting a baby in her uh, miraculously. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from the sin, from their sins. So that's the message that Joseph gets from the angel. And then uh, Matthew kind of uh, takes a moment and gives us an editorial comment. He says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So, back to the story. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. So, what was it that Joseph did that gave his life significance? What Joseph did is he obeyed. 
Joseph said, this is what I want. I have desires I would like to gratify. And they're perfectly legitimate desires. These are not carnal desires. Joseph has good things that he's desiring. He's saying, I want this. We all do. We all have things we want. And Joseph has a choice in front of him. Is he going to be obedient to God or is he going to gratify his desires? And Joseph says, I will be obedient to what God has told me to do. And the amazing thing about that is nobody else who wasn't party to that story could have told the difference. I mean, the neighbor down the street, all he knows is that is that Joseph married Mary. They moved in together. She had the baby a little early, but that's not the first time that's ever happened. All the neighbors would have said, nothing changed. But Joseph knew differently. Joseph knew that he had been given a choice of gratifying his own desires or doing what God called him to do, and he chose obedience. And as a result, he's significant. You know, this, I think, is the only thing we can point to. If we look at the story of Joseph, this is the only thing we can point to and say for sure, this is something Joseph did that gave his life significance. <laughs> if you think about it, you know, he was not the father. The, the scriptures are clear. He is not the father of Jesus. But he's the foster father. And that's an important job. I've got, a, I've got a nephew who has five adopted children. It's an important job. He has made such a difference in the life of those kids. But Joseph... Was a, he was a foster father, but we learned he was not a particularly exceptional one. He was kind of run of the mill. He's the kind of foster father who accidentally leaves the kid behind in the temple for three days. So, um, so he was a good man who was a good foster father, but nothing exceptional. So, what else do we know about Joseph? People say, well, he provided for Mary. You know, he, she, she could, she could be at home with the kids and he would go off and earn a living. But we know they were poor, so whatever, earn, whatever living he made was not, was not a great living. And, um, uh, there's a, there's a line in the, in the book of Esther, um, uh, Mordecai tells his, tells his, um, niece, uh, Esther, he says, if, if you don't do what God is calling you to do right now, Help will arise from another quarter. The scriptures are full of stories where people are miraculously provided for by God. So, yes, he did provide for her, and that's a good thing, but it's not like only he could have provided for Mary. <coughs> How about protection? You know, he's got some idea that he can he can um, divorce her quietly. Um, so I'm not even sure if, if he had done that, was protection necessary? Um, and in terms of any kind of power or authority he might have, keep in mind the story of Joseph. He couldn't even, he couldn't even demand a room in the inn, right? So Joseph has very real limits on what he can do. So what is it that Joseph does? He obeys. And beyond that, there's not a sign that he's done anything else any different than what he had planned to do. But it's different because he's obeying God. My own guess, by the way, what is it that Joseph provided? Is he provided companionship. We read in the book of Genesis, God says, even when people have yet to sin, God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a helper. And I think how much more in a world filled with sin, how much more if you're the father, if you're the, the mother and father of the savior of the world, how much more do you need a helper? I mean, we, we know that from our own lives, how much, how good it is to have a helper. So I think Joseph is a companion. I think he's a helper. But beyond that, I don't, I don't think there's really much 
that we can point to in Scripture and say Joseph did that. The only thing we can point to is that Joseph had the opportunity and he chose to be obedient. When Alex asked me what my career plans were, I told him, well, I have to tell you, that was gratifying. Okay, I had been in the technology industry for 20 years and he was the first manager who ever tried to recruit me for his team. I had been moved around, but it was always, hey, guess what? We did an org chart shuffle and you're now in a new spot, right? Nobody had ever tried to recruit me before. And I have to tell you, that was a great feeling. Um, and unfortunately, I had to tell him that um, just a couple of weeks earlier, I had been to Fuller Seminary. Um, because I'm a Presbyterian, you don't just kind of find yourself in the pulpit. Um, we're all about the committees. We can't, we can't have breakfast without a committee in the Presbyterian Church. And over the past several years, people in, in my church had encouraged me to consider uh, pursuing a path that would lead to full-time ordained ministry in the church. And uh, after a certain point, um, Margo and I decided it was worth talking more seriously with people who were in a position to advise us. So I talked to my pastors. We start, we formed a committee, of course, a discernment group, and we talked a lot about what it would mean to be called to ministry for me. And after we'd done that, they said, why don't you go visit some seminaries and see if that's something you would, you would be able to do. And so we went to Fuller in Southern California, and I ended up not attending Fuller. But it was while I was in Fuller, it was actually about a um, hundred yards from between the car and the admissions office. Um, I was about a hundred yards along that way. I had a sense of peace come on me like I have never felt before that told me that I was on the right path, that God would be with me and that I could do what I was trying to do. And I ended up not going to, to, to seminary in California. We ended up going to seminary in New Jersey. But I told, I told Alex that I had applied to a seminary, and if I was admitted, then I was intending to be um, ordained as a pastor. And I have, as a result of that, I have received a call to not just this church, but another church prior to this. Um, and one of the things about being a pastor is you get to reflect a lot on people's lives. The nature of what we do is we spend a lot of time with people who are dying. I see people who are who are ill. Um, sometimes I'm at their deathbed when they when they pass, but I see them at the time of death or or nearly so, and I'm always a part of the celebration of life, the memorial service that takes place afterwards. So I've had an opportunity to reflect on what gives a life significance, and you know it's not going to to seminary, but it is obedience. There was a guy at that church, the first church that I was called to. His name was Woody. And Woody worked in a trailer park. He actually ran a trailer park with his wife. And I never got to know Woody because he was suffering from dementia um, at the time. And so I would go to his house and we'd celebrate communion together and he could eat, but he couldn't talk or tell me what was going on in his life. So I really never knew Woody. And about a year and a half after I arrived there, Woody died and we planned his funeral and we held the funeral and we were stunned because no one expected more than a handful of people to come. And instead we had people all the way out the door and into the fellowship hall. Because Woody had an impact. And during the celebration of life, person after person said, you know, 
I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Woody. I wouldn't have my kids. I wouldn't have ever gotten sober. I would never have cleaned up my act. I would never be employable if it weren't for Woody. Because I went to Woody and he said, you know, I'll help you on these circumstances. Woody lived a life of amazing impact. But he just did what every trailer park owner did. The the people at the other trailer parks in that town wouldn't have been able to tell the difference that Woody made. Just like the people down the street from Joseph wouldn't have known what Joseph was doing. But Joseph lived a life of obedience and so did Woody. We don't know the impact we're having as we carry out a life of obedience to God. I don't know what impact my life will have. You can't know what your life will have. But we know from Scripture that the way to have an impactful life, the way to have significance, is to be obedient to God. There's another man named Joseph in the Scriptures. He was the second in command of Egypt. He was the most powerful man in the world for a period of time. He gets 12 chapters in the Bible. We read all kinds of speeches about Joseph. But if I told you I was reading a story in the Bible about Joseph, who would you think of? If I said, hey, it's Christmas time. We need to remember Joseph. Who would you remember? There's a character in the book of Acts named Joseph. He travels all over the Mediterranean world with Paul. He is instrumental in bringing Christianity to Asia Minor and Europe. His name is Joseph, but no one even remembers that because there was a more important Joseph. So he's known by his nickname. He's known by the name Barnabas. Because Joseph, the Joseph we're talking about, lived a life of incredible significance even though no one in his neighborhood would have known it. If you want to have significance in your life, it's not about gratifying your desires. It's about obedience to God. So I commend that thought to you. If you want to be significant, you can do it without any relationship with God. There's all kinds of people who have, but it's harder and it will take a toll. But if you want to be successful, if you want to guarantee your success, enlist God in your success by doing what he calls you to do. And finally, I'll end on this thought. The same thing is true for us as a church. So many churches get into trouble because they are ultimately pretty carnal. They're about gratifying their own desires. It doesn't seem like church unless. I have have my own picture of the way the church needs to be in this area. Instead of saying, what is it that God is calling us to do as a church? What would obedience look like for us as a church? Because the way to be significant, the way to have an impact, is to obey God. So let's consider that together as a church, and I invite you to consider it individually. What would your life look like? How could you have impact? The best way is to obey God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We thank you for the example of Joseph, this Joseph who lived 2,000 years ago in a village we couldn't find on a map, whose neighbors wouldn't have ever guessed that he was doing anything different or anything significant. But because at the moment that he needed to, 
at the moment he would have wanted to follow his desires. He chose to follow your command. And what an impact he's had. Lord, we pray that you would make us like Joseph, maybe not as significant in the grand scheme of things, but Lord, in our own little spheres, make us like Joseph. Help us to have an impact through our obedience. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.